0: And also uh, via technology we're still looking forward to great things uh, that are coming and uh, the uh, release and pouring out of the Spirit of God upon all flesh as the promise of God is in these uh, which we believe I believe are the last days last uh, couple weeks we've been talking about pretty much drama Drama in the life of a believer can create tremendous amounts of stress in the life of a believer. And stress can have, some will say some some stress is good stress, but predominantly stress has a negative effect or a, a negative connotation attached to it. It can bring about both physical psychological and um, just uh, an inability to deal with life, even to the point where many, because of the amount of stress that's on them, they've committed suicide or attempted to commit suicide or they have introduced things into their life that just brought more more drama. I want to talk today briefly to you, and I won't hold you long today, but I want to talk to you today briefly about drama, about the amount of drama that we have in our life, which is uh, very easy to assess when you look at the world in which we live. The world in which we live is full of drama. It doesn't matter whether it's relational, if it's economical, if it's financial, if it's social, it doesn't matter, everywhere you turn, no matter what class you may be from, whether you're rich or poor, what, what um, varying skin color you may possess, <laughs> drama is everywhere. I want you to turn with me to the second book of Kings, I'm going to read for you hearing today, the fourth chapter, the 20th through the 27th verse. 2 Kings four twenty and 27. I apologize, we weren't able to get this uh, on the screen for you, um, but we will um, be doing that here again in the future. The word of the Lord reads, And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And when she went up and uh, laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out, And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses, that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, It shall be well. Then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding from me, except I bid thee. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel, and it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off, that he said to Gehazi, uh, his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her, and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with thy child? And she answered, It is well. It is well. And when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me and hath not told me. One thing that I've realized in life is that everyone is dealing with some level of stress. And... I'm a people watcher. I'm a people watcher by nature, but I'm also a people watcher by craft. I, this is what I do in my secular uh, employment. I watch people. I look for behaviors and patterns and practices and um, you know the little eye twitch, the hand movement, whatever it is, I, I'm focused on people and the things that they do, whether they're conscious things or unconscious things. and. As I've watched people in life, I have found that stress does not discriminate. Let me say that again for you in case, you know, you think that all stress is just focused solely on you. Stress does not discriminate. Everyone is susceptible to stress in varying degrees. What I've also noticed is that stress affects people differently. And the response to stress is also different. It is varied as there are varying people in the earth. But every study that I have read about dealing with stress have all had the same theme. Stress cannot be ignored and stress must be released. You cannot harbor stress in your body or in your mentality. I shared with somebody years ago That the body was not created to hold things in, it was created to release things out. And anytime you try to bury something in you, it will come out of you in some form or fashion because we have been created to bring life out of ourselves. Unfortunately, I've also noticed that in our attempt to counter the stress that many of us are dealing with, many people resort to things, and and amazingly, I've found that this is not just people outside the body of Christ, but this includes people in the body of Christ. Many people resort to things that create even more problems in their life, like tobacco, alcohol, drugs, sex. Violence. These things, besides having harmful side effects in and of themselves, can be very costly and often lead to addictions and health problems and uh, complications in relationships and um, even death. And outside of death, the other things, all they do is reintroduce a whole nother level of stress into your life. But I found also in searching the scripture that God has a stress relief program that does not have any crazy side effect attached to it. It is a powerful program. It's a program that's free of charge. And it is a program that it also does not discriminate. And that program or that prescription for stress is laid out in Isaiah, the 28th chapter, the 11th and the 12th verse. And it says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Now this is one of the few Old Testament verses that refer to praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit I have found is a key to stress relief. If you learn anything today, please take to heart this uh, pain management regimen that is spelled out in the word of God for us. You can pray in the spirit even when you are in the heat of your trouble and even when you don't know what it is you need to pray. In fact, Those of us that read the Bible understand that it declares in Romans 8 and 26, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit itself maketh intercessions for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. I don't know about you, but I want the Holy Spirit to make intercessions for me. And when the Holy Spirit is speaking in my behalf, I have found that I don't have to be anxious for anything. Let me share this beautiful passage of scripture with you. Found in Philippians, the fourth chapter, the sixth through the seventh verse. It declares, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, I believe that this passage refers to praying in the spirit because the Greek words that are used for prayer and for supplication, prosuche and desis, are the same words that are used in Ephesians, the sixth chapter and the 18th verse, where it talks about praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. You don't have to live with anxiety or stress. Let me stress that for you. You don't have to live with anxiety or stress. Will you intersect with it? Yes. Does it have to take residence in you? No. Because as you pray in the spirit, as you bring your requests to God and thank him, which is an exercise of faith for the answer, the peace of God will guard your heart as well as your mind through Christ Jesus you may, be under, uh, you may not understand how uh, God's peace works, but it can guard your emotions and reasoning despite whatever negative circumstances you might be facing. And that's why it is true peace that uh, the world cannot give to you. Not as the world gives. This is key for the life of a believer. You see, the world will present to you a type of peace that comes in various forms and tries to get you to buy into what uh, they're selling. They tell you that you can you know, get peace when uh, your body is in the right posture and you practice breathing in the right way. I remember in my secular job sitting through training where they teach you to breathe a certain way in certain patterns while doing other things and that's supposed to bring down the level of stress or to return your body to its um, you know, sense of normal. The world tells you that you can get peace when you are tucked away at a mountain resort far from civilization where no one knows your name. And I have nothing against really any of these so-called uh, escapes from the stress of your life. But the truth is, if having peace depends on anything that is external, if your peace is dependent upon external things or external circumstances, then your peace is not true or lasting peace because the one thing that I have found is circumstances can and do easily change. You could be in that mountain resort and all of a sudden this is the day that that mountain quakes. How much peace are you going to have in that? Peace has to come from inside your heart and only the Lord Jesus can give you this true peace. Peace. A peace that is rugged, strong, abiding, and unaffected by outward circumstances. Many of us have never experienced peace like this. But I want to show you just how you can access and apply this prescription written by the hand of God himself to protect your heart, which is exposed to the stress of life. Let's take a quick look at Brother Peter. The Bible tells us how King Herod had ordered the apostle James to be killed, and when he saw how much of this pleased the Jews, he had Peter arrested and thrown into prison as well. And he planned to bring Peter out before the people in a public trial and possibly have him executed right there. You can read about it in Acts, the 12th chapter, the 1st through the 11th verse. Now, just imagine the conditions that Peter would have been in when he was in prison, it's not like the prisons that we have today, and I am in no wise suggesting that the prisons that we have today are awesome places to be, but the prisons that we have today are, by comparison to what they had in the days of uh, the apostles, a far much better situation. Think about the aroma that surrounded Peter. He would have been uh, you know, around stench. The kind of stench that you would expect from an inhumane prison cramped with filthy uh, people who probably had to defecate in their own cells. And the music? Well, that must have been playing in the background uh, would have been the groans and cries of prisoners being beaten by the hardened guards. And as for being in the right posture... The Bible tells us that Peter was trussed up in two sets of chains and bound to two soldiers who flanked him. You see, I want you to understand that peace inside affects your situation outside. Doesn't Peter remind you of another man who stayed fast asleep even though there was chaos all around him in Matthew 8 and 24? A great tempest arose as this man was crossing the Sea of Galilee. The howling winds whipping the waves into a frenzy over and over again. The hapless boat that he was in pitched toward the thundering skies. It came violently crashing down only to be heaved upward again as it was tossed about by the swollen waters. Many of the men that were in the boat were seasoned fishermen who spent most of their lives navigating the sea. And yet they feared for their lives as it began to fill that boat with water, despite their best efforts at bailing that water out. And in the middle of all of this, the Prince of Peace was sleeping. Obviously, to the screaming winds and tumultuous waves, it had no effect on him. And finally, his disciples woke him up crying, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Did you notice that it wasn't the storm The circumstance that woke Jesus up, it was the cry of his disciples. Our Lord Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, peace, be still. And just like that, the wind ceased, and there was a great calm, Mark 4, 38 through 39. You ought to read it. Here's what I want you to see. Our Lord Jesus was not affected by the storm that was all around him. Instead... He could affect the storm and bring peace to his outside circumstances because he was full of peace on the inside. There's a phrase that I like to say that uh, when people say there are storms in your life, you have to have the attitude, there are not storms in, in my life, I am the storm. Jesus was full of peace on the inside. In the same way, long before our external situations can change, we need his peace, which surpasses all understanding, to guard our hearts and to guard our minds. Thank God that he has bequeathed to us this kind of peace, a peace that is not as the world gives, but a peace that can prevent our hearts from being troubled or afraid or stressed out. As we are filled with his peace, I believe that what begins on the inside will begin to affect our circumstances on the outside. And they affect our circumstances on the outside because we are in connection with the very source of our resource, of our intellect, and of our joy. So everything for which we need is already internally present within us But the stress of life blinds our minds to seeing what we already possess to get through the circumstance that is external from us trying to uh, affect what's internal in us. You have to guard your heart above all things. I've been uh, encouraged by God to study this portion of Scripture from the book of Proverbs, the fourth uh, chapter, the 20th through the 23rd verse, where it declares, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh." Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now, Proverbs 4 and 20 tells us to pay attention to the words that will follow because they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Immediately following this instruction, the Bible tells us to keep our hearts with all diligence. And this means that when we keep our hearts with all diligence, it will bring life to us and health to us, even to our flesh. In other words, the peace of God just does not have a spiritual connotation, but it has a natural connotation as well. But what does it mean to keep our hearts? Well, the Hebrew word used here is natzer, and it means to watch or to guard or to preserve from danger so God makes it so clear why it is important for us to guard our hearts because out of our heart springs the issues of life is health an issue of life is provision an issue of life is the well-being of your family an issue of life instead of trying to guard those areas Let's just do what the Word of God tells us to do and guard our heart above all else for it determines the course of our life. Now some guard their children, some guard their money, some guard their shares and their investments and some guard their competitors. But God didn't tell us to guard those things. The only thing that he told us to guard was our heart. And as we guard our hearts, trusting him to guard everything else, God handles our situation. When he does it, it's so perfect that we can't even add to it. All we can sit back, do is praise him for it. No matter what challenge you may be facing right now, you ought to decide now by faith not to allow it to trouble your heart. Even in this ministry, we are in a, uh, a challenge. We've been in a season of transition and a season of challenge. And my focus has been on God. And I've been hearing the word of God. And I've been following the, the instructions of God. Even as other people have been moved upon by God to speak into my life. I've been following their instructions. Uh, heeding to the things that they're saying. Doing the things that God has commanded me to do. I'm at peace. Not because the situation has resolved itself. I'm at peace because I recognize, one, God sees and is intimately involved in what we're going through. And two, he's already got the solution in his hand. So I'm fixated on him. And because I'm looking at him, I'm at peace. You know what happens when you take your eyes off of Christ? You sink. I don't want to sink. I want to keep my eyes on Jesus. You know what happens when you listen to every voice or every wind or or everything that everybody is saying. You get tossed to and fro. You find yourself in situations you didn't have to be in because you uh, followed the wrong uh, wisdom or the wrong instruction. But when you listen to Jesus, you will always be in the right place at the right time to receive what God has declared for your life. You have to pray. Be fixated on God. You guard your heart with his peace on the inside of you. And God will guard your everything else and even change your outward circumstance causing all things to work together for your good to his glory. But how do you guard your heart when things go wrong? Perhaps you really want to be, uh, you know, able to remain in this type of peace that I'm talking about, but you don't know how to because, you know, a huge debt is threatening to crush you or you're faced with a storm or a problem that's crashing down on you all at the same time. Or maybe you've got so much drama in your life, you, you can't even look to the left or the right or up or down because everywhere you look, there's nothing but drama. Well, let me share with you just how you can practically guard your heart and apply his shalom to your life no matter what you might be going through or how much of what you're going through seemingly overwhelming you might be second king as I open today you may have been thinking to yourself what does that story have to do with what I'm talking about well second king tells the powerful story of a Shunammite woman who knowing that Elisha was a man of God built a room for him to rest in whenever he passed by one day her young son died she placed the body of her son on Elisha's bed Then she shut the door, went out, and told her husband she was going to look for the man of God. She did not tell her husband what had happened to their son. And when he asked why she was going to look for Elisha, she simply answered, it is well. If you study the phrase, it is well, with a Hebrew lexicon, you will see that it is made up of only one Hebrew word, and that word is shalom. When you don't know what to say, you ought to just say it is well or shalom. Saying shalom to whatever situation you may be battling right now. You may be going through it's on your left and on your right and it seems like everyone is backing away. And you ought to just declare to your mountain, to your valley, to your sea, shalom. The woman got on her donkey and went to go look for Elisha at Mount Carmel. She went to find the man of God where she believed the man of God would be. And when Elisha saw her some distance away, he got his servant to run to meet her and ask, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And again she answered, It is well. Now recognize that her answer was not a dictation of her problem, but rather it was evidence of her faith. Because remember that the answer it is well comes while her son lay dead on Elisha's bed. Even though her beloved son had died in her arms, she kept by faith confessing and declaring shalom. It is well. She kept declaring it. When she finally meets Elijah, She caught him by his feet, her soul in deep distress, but still she did not say anything about her child's death. It was Elisha who figured it out. To cut a long story short or cut across the carpet, as they say, he went back with her, prayed for her son, and her child was raised back to life. The evidence of the power of faith manifested by your confidence and fixation on Jesus that your outside circumstance can change. I don't know how it's going to be done. I don't even know the timing of when it's going to be done. I don't recognize the resource that's going to, that it's going to take to fix whatever you're going through. But I understand that if I stand in shalom, in faith to God, that he has it in his hand. And that not only does he have it in his hand, but he's going to use it in such a manner that the world will recognize he did it. Unleash The shalom of God by speaking and this is what I pray that you will catch today that you not underestimate the power of the Lord's shalom I believe that the Shunammite woman had a robust understanding of shalom and that was why she kept speaking forth shalom even though her emotions would undoubtedly have been in great turmoil She did not say what she felt. She didn't speak from her emotional state of being, but she spoke from her position of faith in God. She spoke forth the peace of God, shalom. She was able to guard her heart in the midst of great trial and adversity by guarding her mouth. And this is a correlation between our heart and our mouth. The Bible tells us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, Luke 6 and 45. So one of the ways that you can guard your heart is by guarding your mouth and changing the words that you speak. Whatever situation you might be in, you ought to unlock the power of the, the shalom of Jesus. When things in your life might not be going as planned, speak forth his shalom. When fears and anxieties might be overwhelming you, speak forth his shalom. Pray in the spirit. Bring your requests to God and allow his peace to guard your heart. Keep holding on to his promises and hiding them in the midst of your heart. The Bible says that there were often times when the men and women of God were in travail, they would remind God of the things that he has declared. Reminding God of the things that he declared, not because he has forgotten you, but that you might remember as you remain in the shalom or the peace, you ought to get ready for good things to happen. You ought to get ready for good things to happen. Get ready for your miracle. Get ready for your dead dreams to be raised to life. Get ready for dead cells to be resurrected. Get ready for dead relationships to be infused with new life. All fear wants to do is shut you up. It wants you to close your lips. It wants you to be afraid to declare the things of God. I know what God has declared in my life. And I stand in the shalom of God. I may not be preaching to you today from where I would like to preach to you from, but I stand in the shalom of God, knowing that the the temple that God has for me has already been prepared, and I'm on my way to it. See what happened when Jesus rose from the dead. The Bible declares that then the same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut up with the disciples uh, were assembled for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Shalom or peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. John twenty nineteen through 20. But here's the question. Here's what I want you to see. Why were the doors shut? Why did they have the doors shut? The doors were shut because of fear. Oftentimes, those doors reflect our mouths. Our mouths are shut to the things of God because of fear. But then something happened. Jesus came and stood in the midst of that fear. And what was the very first word of the resurrected Jesus to his frightened disciples? Well, in our English Bible, he says, peace be with you. But our Lord would have spoken in Hebrew, so he would have used the word shalom. Then he showed them his nail pierced hands and his side where the centurion had pierced him with a spear which are the receipt of his payment for their shalom and the tokens of their guaranteed peace. He was showing them that by his stripes they were healed, they were delivered, and they were set free. Beloved, our Lord Jesus has paid the price for your shalom. Because of that, you don't have to be full of cares and worries. Even when things are not perfect, you can declare it is well. Do you think for one moment that that Shunammite woman's heart was not full of grief or that she did not have fearful thoughts? The fears were there. The grief was there. The sorrow was present. But you know what it is that she said? Her mouth refused to be quieted by her circumstance her mouth refused to be shut by the devil fear happens when the door that is your mouth is shut Your mouth is the door to your salvation. The Bible tells us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. Romans 10 and 9, check the text. Your mouth is the door the devil wants to shut. Let's not allow the enemy to shut our mouth. Let's speak out the promises of God in faith. Let's stand upon his word in such a fashion that you can speak What his word declares. If you go to the doctor and the doctor is giving you a negative prognosis, you ought to proclaim, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. If you are fearful of growing old, you ought to declare that the Lord redeems your life from destruction, crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies and satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth can be renewed like the eagles. If you're struggling in your finances, you ought to pronounce by faith that the Lord will command the blessings on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. You ought to look at Deuteronomy 28 and 8. You have to understand the things that God has spoken so you can not only just stand on them, but declare them because in them you are saying it is well. And when you say it is well, what you're saying is, is God, I have confidence in you. Above everything that I see, above everything that I feel, above everything that I know, my confidence is wrapped up in you. You cannot allow the enemy to shut your mouth from speaking forth shalom and declaring the promises of God. Your situation might be bleak, the report may be negative, but you do not have to speak. What you see in the natural. This is where we fail ourselves. We are constantly regurgitating natural things. When God has caused us to be able to transverse this natural dimension. And enter into the spiritual dimension. And speak the things of God. Guard your mouth and fill it with unshakable and eternal truths from the word of God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall guard your heart I'm not telling you that in this life you won't have trouble in fact in this life your life will be filled with trouble it doesn't matter how old you get how wise you get until the day that you die Until the day that you experience physical death, you are going to deal with trouble. But the beauty of the life of the believer is that if you remain fixated on Jesus, even though the whirlwind of trouble may be whipping in your life, you like he was, can be sleep and at rest. And when you are awakened, you can simply declare peace, be still, and your circumstances external will submit themselves to the power that is internal through the gift of Holy Ghost and the release of his word. You ought to just begin to say in my own life, in your own life, in the lives of those that are around you, it is well. You ought to just put that in the, the comment section, it is well. Some of you might be saying I'm lying to myself. That is the problem that affects your faith is you believe your circumstances bigger, better, stronger than your God. I can say it is well because that is what it is when I put it in the hand of God. You have to have this confidence, this faith in God and begin to just speak the things of God as God has declared. I'm not trying to be deep and wonderful. We've got enough of that nonsense from pulpits across this nation. People saying all kinds of crazy things And because the majority of the body of Christ doesn't even read the word of God, they're just running along with it and all kinds of things are happening to them. I've come here to tell you the simple truth of the word of God. I believe that if Jesus came down and was as deep and wonderful as some preachers are across this nation, None of us would be saved because we would never be able to understand his plan of salvation but because he is who he is and we are who we are, he did not speak at the level of his intelligence, but he spoke at the level of ours that we might grab a hold to the things that he has declared, calling or demanding that we have faith in him even beyond our own understanding. And when you function and you operate in that that level of, of faith in God and understanding that his desire is only to prosper you, then you will recognize that no matter what your situation may be, you may have been high on the hill yesterday, you may have had everything given to you, everything in your hands, and then tomorrow a storm comes through, and now you're desolate, now you got nothing, now everyone's left you, and you can still say, Shalom, it is well with my soul. The old folks used to sing that old song, it is well with my soul. Why is it well? Because sometimes to give what God wants to give, he has to remove what shouldn't have been there in the first place. Taking up space, preventing you from enjoying the fullness of who he is. Hear me, people of God, today. You can have faith and confidence in God and in God alone. And in the middle of all of your uh, stress of life, you can simply say, it is well. Because at the end of the day, that is the truth. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy this journey with the Lord. We'll see you soon. This has been a production of the GMFC Studios. God bless you.